0: Hey, get out the silly string. It's a Wednesday night sports party here on 630 Chet. NHL tonight, one game underway. The Capitals leading the Flyers 1-0 early in the second period. Lars Eller has his 16th of the season. Coming up later tonight, Blue Jackets and Flames. Columbus will be here on Saturday to play the Oilers. The Ducks up against the Avalanche and the Coyotes and the Canucks in a big game for both teams. Arizona slowly slipping away in the playoff race. They are two points out of a playoff spot, but things haven't been going well for them lately. Vancouver, losers of three straight, now in the first card position in the Western Conference. The Pacific standings, Vancouver... 74 points Calgary 75 Edmonton 80 and then Vegas at the top of the division with 82 points the Oilers will play tomorrow in Chicago to wrap up their three-game road trip it's on 6 30 Chad, with the face-off show at 5 the game will start at 6 30 the Oilers are 16 6 and 4 in their last 26 games 80 points on the season According to sportsclubstats.com, and I reference this site a lot. it's uh, I, I find it very interesting, and they are always running simulations of all the games remaining in the season. Now, you may want to sit. Th- if you're not already seated, you may want to sit down. And if you're seated, you may want to stand up, so then you can sit down when I give you this stat. According to sportsclubstats.com, the Edmonton Oilers have a 98% chance of making the playoffs. Not zero, not 9.8, 98% chance of making the playoffs. As a matter of fact, if the Oilers go 500 the rest of the way, that gets them to 96 points. And historically, that pretty much gets you in. There have only been two or three instances where a team missed the playoffs with that total. So something to remember. Obviously, it has to be executed on the ice and some tough games ahead. But uh, that's the position the Oilers have put themselves in. And uh, again, just in the division... Now in second place, five points ahead of the Calgary Flames. Both the Oilers and the Flames have 15 games remaining. So something to keep in mind here as we roll along. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. We have a lot to get to tonight. Kelly Rudy is going to join us in the next half hour. I want to tee this up for you because... This guy, red hot right now. Brendan Botcher, the skip for Team Alberta, scheduled to join us after the 7 o'clock news from Kingston. He is 7-0 and at the Briar after beating Prince Edward Island 9-6 today. So now they move into the next phase of the tournament. They carry that 7-0 and record with them into a pool with the three other top teams from uh, their pool and the top four teams from the other side. Now they play in what's called a championship pool. So Brendan Botcher looking great. We will also check in with what's going on and cameras with the Augustana Vikings men's hockey team some concerns that the team might not be able to exist Beyond this season, several alumni members are stepping up to try to keep it afloat. David Ritz is with the Alumni Association, and he's going to have that story as well. But that's for a little bit later on, but a couple of uh, really important guests uh, that we're going to get to and some very timely stories for sure. Thanks for tuning in. It's 10 after 6. My name's Reed Wilkins. Pleased that you're listening this evening. If you would like to interact, there are several ways to do it. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. That is also the phone number that you can text. Well, when I say several, I guess I meant two. I mean, you could send me a letter, but that wouldn't be immediate interaction. You can also email InsideSports at 630Ched.com. Follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. It is R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Wilkins spelled like Dominique, who we did have on the show a few years ago. Kellen, you remember that? Yeah. We had Dominique Wilkins on the show. It's in the archives. He was not overly interested in being on the show but he did the interview and we got to say we had him on (laughs) so so that was that was that was all right i thought it was an entertaining segment but that's just me so uh i thought okay i'll just quickly tell tell what happened here okay so i emailed the atlanta hawks because he still works for them that was a team he mainly played for in his career i emailed the atlanta hawks and i said look i host this show it's in edmonton obviously my last name is Wilkins. There's always a running joke that I'm related to him or he's my cousin. I would love to have him on the show. And I thought this is probably one of those emails that will go unacknowledged or you'll just get a reply where it's like, sorry, read Dominique gets a lot of interview requests and generally we don't, we don't go outside of NBA markets, but thanks for your time. That's what I was expecting. I got a fairly quick reply from their media relations person saying, Dominique's always happy to talk. Uh, can you do something at this time? It was it was pre-taped in the afternoon, and I thought great. And then they send me Dominique Wilkins' phone number, <laughs> so I <laughs> come into work that day, call that number. He answers the phone, and I'm like, "Hi, Dominique, it's Reed Wilkins at 6:30, Chet in Edmonton. I'm just calling for an interview." Sorry, who? Uh, it's Reed Wilkins. I'm with Sixth Street Shed Empton. I spoke to whoever with your media relations department. He had us booked for an interview today. Oh, really? Oh. Uh, okay, sure. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, that's, so then he did it, and, uh, yeah, I thought it was okay. <laughs> I think he was kind of just doing it just to get it over with. Anyway. Ah, there we go. Uh, Norman a combine texting in tonight. By the way. Do not distract the drive while in a combine. Though I don't think Norm's actually in his combine right now. He says, hey, Reed, we need to address the elephant in the room. Did Peter Shirelli leave us with a Stanley Cup contending goaltender? Did he know something? We didn't. Well, the goaltending for the Oilers has been okay this year, and last night it was Koskinen stealing the show.
1: Ben, universally respected, a shot tipped on net, a save made by Miko Koskinen on a juicy trickler that wound up with Ben and Radulov both trying to corral in front of Miko Koskinen. Turnover by the Oilers. Radulov back hitter denied. Miko Koskinen, great save off a dreadful giveaway. Koskinen able to cover Klingberger shot redirected, and what a save! Made by Koskinen against Ropey Hintz. Cleared safely up to Blake Como. And then he'll lift behind the Oilers defense. Koskinen steers it over to Caleb Jones. Turned it over. What timer Foxen again. Koskinen flashing the leather. He's got 18 stops in 21 minutes. Haskinen shot. Save Koskinen. Rebound back to Haskinen. Lunging. Haskinen knocked it down. Yamamoto fished it off his stick. Ben threw it across. Como banked it off the boards. Haskinen shot. Save Koskinen on a redirect. Put too much on it. Chase Jones back. Centering pass. And there's Koskinen's stick deflecting a potential one-timer from the top of the circles. Nico has delivered that maneuver on a few occasions tonight. Outstanding from, uh, from first period on. Um, held us in there when
2: we uh, probably weren't playing our best, but back-to-back, um, back, I mean, uh, against a team like that, you need your goalie to step up, and he definitely did that tonight. It's situation awesome for the team. We have two goalies you can put out there and uh, try to keep it that way.
0: So the Oilers have won three straight. The first game of this run, they were outshot 41-22 by the Jets, were especially pummeled in the second period, won the game 3-2, then they played the game in uh, Nashville, they got five goals in the third period in, uh, what, five minutes and 13 seconds, they they were the better team in that game, last night, they're outshot 43-27 in Dallas, Koskinen, Holding them in, especially in the first period, I thought that was the, the the period where the Stars had the most dangerous chances, and the Oilers pulled out two one in overtime on a goal by Alex Jason. So this gets back. I mean, we got we're we're getting near the end of the season here. There we're we're only got 15 games left, and I, I this is the Oilers' identity this season. They have. Out, like, they, I, would, I would have to use the word outstanding special teams. If you're first in one, second in the other, you don't just have good special teams. You have outstanding special teams. They have generally good goaltending that some nights has been outstanding. And they are okay five-on-five. Five. You know, I think against below-average or average teams, they can do pretty well five-on-five. Five. Against other good teams or great teams... They haven't done as great five-on-five. Five, and they're going to have to rely on special teams and goaltending to win those games as they did against Winnipeg, as they did against Dallas. Is that a concern for me? Sure it is. But, I mean, I've never really considered the Oilers a, a top-tier Stanley Cup contender this season in, anyway. I mean, I didn't even pick them to make the playoffs when the season started in October. So they're they're going to beat me there. So, you know, somebody, it's funny, somebody called last night... And said, well, is this going to be, you know, a one-off of them just making the postseason and dropping out like a few years ago? Hey, I don't know. But if you, if you do want to project ahead a a little bit, I would think that another step for Ken Holland would be to further improve the five on five presence of the team. Now, I I also remember this, Oscar Kleffbaum has not been playing lately. He's going to help five on five and I think Tyler Ennis has helped five on five, and maybe if they, you know, are able to figure out the forward lines a little bit and who's going to go where, we'll see what happens with Athanaciu. That could improve the team as well. So, you know, look, last night, do you wish the Oilers maybe uh, weren't outshot 16-6 in the first period? Sure, but they're finding ways to stay in games and to give themselves a chance most nights going going into the third period, and you know that is an improvement. Could it come back to bite them at some point? Could it come back to bite them in a seven game series against a really, really good team? Absolutely it could, but so far through, you know, eighty percent of the season, it's been a formula working more often than not. It is six seventeen. Gary Bettman made some interesting comments today about the coronavirus and about the bye week. We'll get to those as we bring you back to Inside Sports. been Johnny Boychuk, 90 stitches after taking a skate blade to the face last night in a game against the Montreal Canadiens. Hopefully he's going to be okay. Pretty scary incident. If, uh, if you saw that video, kind of tough to watch. If you're a uh, little squeamish, you may want to avoid that if you haven't already seen it. Some text to 780-496-0063. Vic says, something I have noticed and should be pointed out. The Oilers have not gone on any extended losing streaks like in previous years most they've gone without a win was four games they had an oh three and one stretch in december and uh december and the end of november wasn't great i think it was five ten and one over 16 games but uh, yes for the most part they've been able to stop it after two games if they haven't been uh, in the win column andy s who also calls himself uh, carpet guy which i assume is his superhero personality Says, many people doubted whether the Oilers would make the playoffs. My belief was that they would make the cut, which was based on the new pieces Holland brought in and on Dave Tippett, and eventually the core players would be sick of not getting the Oilers to the postseason, LOL. That is from Andy S., who has some sort of superpower related to carpets and thus calls himself Carpet Guy. Hopefully, he'll educate us on the exact nature of those powers. Mark is on line one. Go ahead, Mark.
3: Yeah, Reed, Sorry, it's been a while since I last called. But oh, uh, hello. Hey, how's everything? Quite well. Good. No, I just wanted to comment on the uh, on the Oilers, the team they have now, as opposed to when they made the playoffs the last time out. Uh, it's not. I, I shouldn't say it's not even close, but I mean, really, uh, it's not. Uh, this club is a considerably better hockey club. If you did nothing more than look at the goaltending. We had one goaltender last night. Yes, and I realized we had more than one goaltender on the roster, but we had one goaltender. He
0: played 73 games that year.
3: Yeah, we have two goaltenders. Both are playing excellent this year. So, I mean, we have depth in goaltending. Dreisaitl is a better player than he was when they made that playoff run. Could you you say uh, Connor McDavid is? I would say he's certainly more experienced. He's probably a better hockey player he's getting more points if that's you know i mean it's slightly different uh the defensive core is deeper the defensive core is more talented the wingers if you did nothing more than comment on jordan Everly and and say an equivalent of jordan Everly, i guess would have to be on the first line uh but if you took the amamoto and jordan eberle i i gotta be honest the amamoto is a better player he he has better hockey sense and he's way quicker Uh, This isn't even close. Uh, If it's an argument as to, you know, is is this club going to be a one and done? I can't see it. I never saw this club making the playoffs this year. I really didn't think they were going to. I was questioning the Kevin Ken Holland hiring. I was so wrong, completely wrong. Uh, He's been a responsible manager. Uh, The the club has been much better than I thought, and I can't imagine uh, them. I mean. You know, you you got to knock on wood, so I'll knock on my head on this one. They're going to make the playoffs this year, but I don't think it's just about this year. They're going to make the playoffs going forward from here on out. When you're dealing with um, a player of of Connor McDavid's stature, and I'm 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 not discounting uh, Drysital at all. Drysital's a hell of a player. Uh, once they start making the playoffs, it's just like Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. They don't not make the playoffs they just keep making the playoffs this is a good team uh, you know what they've done uh, the depth that they've been able to um, garner through really um, minor uh, acquisitions in terms of what they've had to give up uh, has been very impressive
0: all right thanks Mark appreciate it buddy thank you all right we also have Paul on line two go ahead Paul you're on inside sports
3: oh, hi there. yeah go ahead uh, man. Hey, I was just curious. Uh, there there a, a, a number of wins that the Oilers need? Is it
0: to, too early? Sorry, Paul, you're cutting out like a magic number? You asking about a magic number? Yeah. I believe it's 25 points. So, so that's the, what they... And that's compared to... Who is that compared to? I think that would be compared to minnesota's the best non-playoff team at 73 yeah i think i think it's 25 points so right now any combination of points that edmonton gets and minnesota doesn't get that eventually adds up to 25 but the thing is that's going to change all the time because the best the best non-playoff team could still fluctuate but basically we're looking at around 25 points for a magic number and with the Oilers at 80 points if they get to 96 then they're, they're pretty much going to be in.
3: 96 would be kind of the, like the, the benchmark, I guess.
0: I, I would think so. I mean, there's been... Uh, Boston had 96 and missed it. I think it's only happened three times in NHL history that a team has had 96 points and not got in. If you get to that number, it's a pretty safe bet. And if you look at the Pacific Division, it is the weakest division when you look at the overall point totals. So really, if the Oilers stay in the top three in the division, they're not even going to have to worry about the wild card. All right, thanks, Thank Paul. So yep. All right, that is Paul, 7804960063. We're going to take a quick timeout for the news. Kelly Rudy's coming up in the next half hour too. <laughs> Flyers have won six in a row. They're currently in a 1-1 tie with Washington. Eight minutes left in the second period. Blue Jackets and Flames about to get underway. Ducks and Avalanche a little bit later on. Coyotes and Canucks at 8.30. Oilers off day in Chicago. They play the Blackhawks tomorrow night. It's on 6.30. Chad, the face-off show will be at 5.00. And the game will start at 6.30. The Oil Kings play Spokane tonight at 7 at Rogers Place. The Oil Kings are ranked 5th in the Canadian Hockey League. They're 41-10-10 and on the season. Spokane, coached by Edmontonian Manny Viviros, who was an Oilers assistant last year. They are uh, doing good lately, 9-1 and in their last 10, 37 wins on the season. Should be a good game tonight at Rogers Place. Rob texting in. To 780-496-0063, he says, Hey, Reed, does Yamamoto turn into Johnny Hockey in the playoffs and lay a big egg? Well, Rob, I hate to short answer you, but there's only one way to find out. And there's a very good chance we're going to find out because the Oilers appear bound for the postseason. Oz says, The only team in the playoffs that concerns me is St. Louis- I predict Edmonton goes to the conference finals this year. Not sure what happens after that. And James says, Reed, right now the Oilers have the best player in the world and he's not even the best player on his team. Kudos to Dreisaitl. That is from James. And John writes in. Oh, I've heard a little bit of this, John. John says, I'm getting tired of certain Eastern media trying to find reasons why not to give Dreisaitl the heart trophy. I don't remember that happening to Kucherov last year under similar circumstances. Yeah, Kucherov played with some pretty good offensive players as well and got a lot of points on the power play. I mean, look, I I think I've seen Dreisaitl every second he's played this season i don't have a vote he'd be my pick for the heart trophy that doesn't diminish what some of the other great players around the league have done i have seen a little bit of that where there has been well dry doesn't do this is plus minus this his power play this i don't know his power play is part of the game and he's outstanding on it you know like here's here's the thing with great offensive players they help each other and as we've seen from mcdavid's stats I mean, here's the thing. McDavid's stats, and I know he just had a five-point game, but his five-on-five point production has not been as good since he hasn't been on a line with Drysaddle. They help each other. Now Nugent Hopkins is getting more points. Why? Because he's on a line with better offensive players. I, I mean, sometimes I like to use comparisons from other sports. You can have the best quarterback in the world who is absolutely the best and most accurate at throwing the football. If his receivers can't catch, his stats will not be as good. So he will have better stats and be more likely to win individual awards if he plays with better receivers. It it, it goes hand-in-hand. Dreisaitl's having an incredible year. Uh, EA says, Reed, the defense of this team still worries me. I think that's fair. And like I said, we've seen some high shot on goal tolls. I don't think they have a terrible defense. They obviously have a couple of players back there who... Are inexperienced when it comes to NHL playoffs. Well, I suppose most of the guys who've played on the Oilers, if they've only been Oilers, haven't had a lot of playoff games. Uh, it, it will improve when Clefbaum's back. Mike Green's still out, probably another two or three weeks. We'll see how he's deployed. They here's the thing: they this coaching staff does not play Matt Banning a lot. He was only ten minutes again last night. He's been he's had games where he's been at eight minutes. He's usually under he's usually under twelve. Um, so he doesn't play a ton. I wonder if Mike Green would play more if he becomes a regular defenseman. But yeah, I mean, is the Oilers' defense as good as, you know, say Nashville's, who they played the other night? No, it isn't. But I think they have a uh, have a decent defense. And, they, and like I said, they do have a couple of young guys who can move the puck. And I'll, I got to hand it to Caleb Jones he has there's been a bit of a craftiness to his game maybe over the last dozen games or so that i didn't see earlier In just seeing passing lanes and making more confident plays with the puck and knowing when to jump in and sort of come in as a trailer and find a soft spot i don't know if he's going to be uh as as good offensively as bear might be but he can move pretty well and i think he has some some cleverness on the ice but uh look the the orders are far from a perfect team and far from a finished product I guess in terms of being a, a somebody a team who could be a perennial contender but they have done a lot of good things this year. Jesse says read this team is missing Gatton Haas's speed and tenacity who do you take out to put him back in? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you something guys and look Dave Tippett has done a great job this season so far be it for me to, to to pick apart his coaching decisions if it were me I wouldn't have played Kara last night. I would have left Haas at center and put him in with Neal and Chase on. I I, I think they're still trying to find something with Kara. And to be fair, he's probably been better over the last 10 games or so than he was earlier in the season. The problem there is that's a pretty low bar to step over. I'm not even going to say jump over. Kara's been a little frustrating to watch this season. We've seen him do good things. The consistency is not there. And, and Rob and I have talked about Kara a lot this year. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I, part of me hesitates to do this because I, I don't want to say, like, have a whip, like, I'm not trying to have a whipping boy. Like, I don't, I don't like to attack players or anything like that. But I do think we, sh- we can have honest discussions about their game. Kara's a big guy, and he often doesn't win battles that big big men should win. And that's plays down low and plays just inside the defensive blue line where you have to get the puck out those last two or five feet. Where you gotta force that puck out, either by making a smart play or or just bearing down on it and getting it out of the zone. So that's you know, that's what I would have done last night. Neil comes back, I, I would have scratched Kara and left Haas at Haas at center. Haas has been okay. I mean, as a fourth line guy, he's okay. Uh, this texture says, not to stand up for a Calgary Flame, but Johnny Hockey hasn't been especially bad in the playoffs. The entire team didn't show up last year in Johnny's first postseason. He was one of the comeback kids for them clutch late in the game. Drew's View says, Reed, do you think McDavid should win the Masterton? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that at all, Drew. I, I wouldn't even know around the league who might be other candidates. It, it often goes to a player who's a little bit older. Um, not always, but it it often goes to a player who's a little bit older that has had to battle back through some injuries or things that threatened his career, or maybe being written off and and coming back as uh, then as a, as an effective type of player. I you know I wonder given you know judging from that documentary that McDavid thought maybe you know there might be some career concerns or anything like that. I'm just checking. Robin Leonard won it last year. Brian Boyle won it the year before as he'd uh, come back from being treated for leukemia. Uh, Craig Anderson the year before that. Yarmir Yager won it in 2016. Devin Dubnik won it in 2015. And Dubnik, a story, you know, traded away from Edmonton, bounced around to a couple other teams, wasn't playing a lot. It was, uh, there was, people were wondering if he was ever going to pan out or continue his career in the nhl and then he came back with an excellent season for the minnesota well that's a good question i'd have to i'd have to look up more candidates for that um who else on the oilers could be a candidate i mean could mike smith be a candidate for the oilers for the masterton i don't know could be um Hmm. could adam larson be But, you know, he went through some injuries, mm. lost his father a couple of years ago.
1: I'm just thinking across the league that uh, Bobby Ryan in Ottawa would oh, probably well, there be you go. the there, candidate yeah, right there. Lost. He yeah, might even be a, the winner. There's an
0: obvious one. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one, Kelly. And somebody just texted that in. Anyway. Okay, thanks for the text. we got to call a quick timeout. Uh, I'll get more of your feedback later. I still have some Gary Bettman clips I want to play, but Kelly Rudy, when we get back. We'll take on Chicago tomorrow. Welcome back to the show. Former NHL goaltender, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers, our good buddy Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Reading yourself? I'm doing very well. It's nice to have you on the show again. Now, have you gone through all the uh, food that was left by your mother, or is there some still in the freezer? (laughs) You know what? Luckily for us, we
2: still have some in the freezer. So, oh, my gosh, it's so fantastic. She loves to come down and visit with the family, but then they get cooking and it's all good. So, oh, boy, I can hardly wait till she gets here again.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, the Oilers are back at it tomorrow in Chicago, a chance to sweep a three-game road trip, a chance to win four in a row. They've really... You know, increase their odds to almost a sure thing to be in the postseason, which is is cool to see. But I want to get your perspective on on the recent play here, Kelly. They beat the Jets, but they were outshot 41-22. They win last night in Dallas, outshot 43-27. Koskinen a big game, especially in the first period to to keep it tight after the first. I mean, you, you played goal, you played hundreds of games in the NHL. A team like the Warriors, how do you weigh sort of you know, finally winning, finally getting the results versus maybe a couple in the last three that, that could have gone against you if you didn't have the goaltending?
2: All right, well, part of it is attitude. So you're never disappointed by a loss, no matter how badly you feel you might have been outplayed. You never have that attitude. You never uh, bring a, even a look of disappointment around the group because it's important. They feel really good about themselves and uh, and about the victory. So, uh, But when you start to break it down, Yes, it can be a concern if you're getting badly outshot, but there might be circumstances why that's happening and uh, every situation might be a little bit different. In fact, when you look at Saturday's game, they were playing an extremely uh, motivated Winnipeg team and uh, a Winnipeg team that is uh, has a really good offensive uh, flair to it. So sometimes you're going to get caught on your heels. And when I mentioned the word attitude, That's very important to me because the two guys that have to have the right attitude are your goaltenders. So are they bothered by it? Do do they make small complaints? Do they say things, guys, we've got to tighten up, this isn't winning hockey, or do they roll with it? And one of the great lessons I had uh, when I was playing, and uh, I was playing for Los Angeles, Boston was in town, and Jerry Cheebers was uh, one of the TV analysts for the Bruins, and he saw me by the Zamboni. You know, I was just in my street clothes, and we started chatting about it, and I had come from the New York Islanders system where we were pretty rigid defensively. And uh, he said, you know, Kelly, just enjoy it. Just a 7-5 victory is as rewarding as a 2-1 victory. And if you have that sort of attitude, then you'll, you'll, then you'll let a lot of baggage go. And boy, did I ever take that advice. And I thought, well, here's a veteran that's played forever, and one of the the best goalies to ever play and a simple little trick sort of to fool your brain that I don't, I don't need to worry about that. You know, the coaches have to worry about that kind of stuff. I just have to stop the puck. And to me, it looks like Koskinen and Smith are very relaxed right now and uh, they're just enjoying the victories and however they come.
0: There's always a lot of talk about leadership in hockey and who's going to lead and how do players lead. And there's been a lot of talk about Mike Smith this year, and you would have got to know him in Calgary, about how vocal he is. In practice, he's very chatty, especially when the Oilers do a shootout drill. If he gets scored on, he might make fun of himself. If he stops a guy, he might have a get that blank yeah. out of here type type comment. Like, as a goaltender, do you have to be... Do you have to be extra aware of how your attitude or your use of language might affect the team since it is such a vital position and it's such a um, a unique position? Yes,
2: and that's why I think oftentimes, I think more so than a skater, you hear people around an organization say, and uh, his teammates love him, and that's usually about a goalie because if you're if you're a goalie and you've got a rotten attitude, man, it just it goes right through the organization and the players don't like you and they don't play hard for you. So uh, you have to be uh measured with what you say um and i'm a firm believer reed that body language is even more important beyond the actual language what you actually say in words it's body language that tells your teammates exactly what you're feeling and uh and how you're going to try and react moving forward so a lot of little different uh, signals you're looking for but uh and all right now i see just nothing but positive with the uh The Oilers goaltenders. I mean, you're right. I did get to know Mike Smith, and he is uh, an incredible competitor. Um, He seems to have a knack for knowing when to speak up and uh, when to be uh, disappointed in his own play. And, you know, I I think it's attitude and that competitive nature for Mike Smith that has allowed him to come out of that uh, stretch in December where I really thought that his game was fading and that he might not have much of a, uh, a year. And so I really give him a lot of credit for somehow trying to dig himself out of that small ditch that he found himself in. And and that's hard to do. And in particular, a great hockey city like Edmonton, where all eyes are on you and he's a pretty recognizable guy away from the rink. So that can be difficult as well.
0: Kelly Rudy joining us tonight on Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender, now broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers, joins us every week here on Inside Sports. Kelly, I want to ask you about something else. And the, the coronavirus is, is a big concern. We've seen, you know, leagues in, in Europe uh, say they're going to play without fans and concerns about, you know, large gatherings in some parts of the world and all that kind of stuff. As a hockey player, as a pro athlete, you often hear that athletes want to stay healthy. But that's more than just not breaking your leg or taking a stick to the face or whatever. And I'm just curious, like when you played, how aware were you or did teams make you aware of germs, avoiding germ transfer, you know, like washing your hands, even stuff like that? Like I'm just curious because it's it's a sweaty, bacteria-filled environment that athletes live in. 100%.
2: One hundred percent. It's a great conversation, Reid, because this is an important one, and one that I'm sure all teams have had uh, with their doctors and their players, and trying to inform them about uh, uh, what's accurate and uh, what's uh, old wives' tale, as opposed to how you know how you can actually pick up a uh, the bacteria or a virus, and what you need to do to help yourself to stay healthy. And I just think a little things. Um, And it wasn't as much of a concern back when I was playing, but in today's game, there's so many things and air travel. You think how often these guys are on an airplane and these planes, they're charter aircraft. So they're not just for this team. There are many, many teams will be using this aircraft. And I personally highly doubt Uh, because of the turnover, that there's a lot of uh, cleaning going on. There's not a disinfectant that I'm aware of that they go through on a plane in a quick turnover and try and scrub it down and so on. So I'm thinking my point is I'm thinking that team doctors might tell the players it might not be a bad idea to bring on some uh, uh, alcohol wipes or something, something that you can wipe down your seat area, your your armrest, your seatbelt buckle, your tray table, little things like this that, perhaps might help just a small small bit but you know this is uh something that uh, i'm sure all teams have had plenty of conversations uh not only with their own employees and and players on the team but other uh organizations about what we need to be aware of looking for signs you know uh look for Signs when a person walks into the dressing room, they might complain about something. Are there no or visible signs of a something from the coronavirus? Which, from what I understand, there there is. And so, I bet everybody's on high alert about this. And uh, in fact, yesterday when I had to go to the doctor yesterday, and I was going to ask the Flames uh, uh, physician about it, and for some reason we got sidetracked about something else, and and I it simply. Uh, I didn't didn't cross my mind at that point. But I am now that you sent me that text about an hour ago. I'm going to a game today. So I am going to if I get a chance to see the flames transition. I'm going to ask them about that. What are they doing? and uh, because I'm sure they're, they're very afraid of this.
0: So when you played, I guess as a goalie, well, actually, when you were a goalie, you didn't have the water bottle on the net early in your career, did you? Were you finicky? Like, Not don't, early d- d- on. Like, were you like, d- don't use my water bottle, I need my own towel, like stuff like that, the players get in that mindset?
2: Well, I had like, a, well, first of all, I've never been clinically diagnosed, and I kind of joke about it, my kids kind of joke about it, that I have OCD, And so at times in my life, I can be a bit of a germaphobe, including right now. So right now, if you meet me, I'm not being rude. I just won't shake a hand. I do a fist bump right now, a little bit like Howie Mandel. So um, but you're right. I I used to think about, okay, I don't think we have enough because I'm coming to the to the bench in a TV timeout or after the third period before we go to uh, overtime and I'm wiping down my face and the towel's soaked so that concerned me i don't know if i ever became sick because of it but yeah little things like that they've got to make sure that uh it's in such as best you can that conditions are sanitary
0: yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens to how the coronavirus affects the world of sports kelly thanks for checking in have a good call tonight and of course we'll do this again next week man really appreciate it okay thanks take care reed That is Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. In the next hour, Alberta skip, Brendan Botcher undefeated at the Briar, and the story of the Augustana Vikings hockey team in the ACAC. Could this be their final season? That story next. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.